in, in just right there in the first chapter of Acts, it talks about the uh, the disciples being devoted to uh, to prayer, the teaching of the apostles, to fellowship, and the breaking of bread. You know, we we need to be devoted to these things, and you know, why why prayer? You know, it's that's our our very uh, enjoyment, our, our communion with with our Father, with with our Lord. So. Uh, Remember when we when we looked at the Lord's prayer, this pattern that Jesus gave us, uh, Jesus had responded to the request of the disciples, "Lord, teach us to pray, teach us to pray." And Jesus gave them this uh, this pattern prayer, and uh, we talked about how we can we can benefit benefit from the uh, the teaching in the Psalms on on how to pray. And today, as we uh, consider our series. This is number two in uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians. Uh, we're going we're gonna to learn from Paul as he prays for the uh, believers in the church of Philippi. And, uh, you know, how, we, we need to ask ourselves, how do, how do we pray for others? What, what can we see here in, in Paul's intercessory prayer for, for these folks? You know, how can we go beyond... Praying, well, Lord, bless Tom and 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 be with Jerry and and you know sometimes when we the Lord will put on our hearts to pray for somebody, how is it we pray for them? We can learn a lot from Paul. You know, I'd like for us to see that together we are in the uh, the school of prayer, and we can learn from this. Read with me in Philippians first chapter, starting in verse three. We'll go up to uh, verse 11. Paul says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense of and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless. For the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes with Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's let's pray together, Lord, as you uh, as you bring us your word, as as we uh, as we open your word and and see what you have to say to us. Take us, Lord, to uh, where you want us to go. Lord, teach us what you want us to know. Teach us, Lord, to uh, to pray. In Jesus' name. So how should we pray for each other? I, I think a lot of us struggle with this. I know that, that sometimes I do. You know, one thing that uh, we can notice here in this passage when we see Paul's prayer for the Philippians is what he does not pray for. Uh, this this prayer is not about the, uh, the temporal needs of, of the Philippians, you know, he, Paul doesn't pray that the Philippians would be rescued from the persecution 
that they are under. He doesn't pray that they would uh, prosper financially. He doesn't even pray for their, their physical health. Now, these are, these are good things, and these are things that we do bring to the Lord, but we need to see that Paul's primary purpose in praying for the Philippians is spiritual. He's praying for their spiritual lives. He's primary, primarily concerned with their well-being uh, under God and with God. So as we, uh, as we look at this prayer... Uh, I, I'd like to see maybe there's there's three parts that we can identify here. The first is thanksgiving, and that's by far the longest part here. Uh, the next is Paul's requests for the people, the believers in Philippi. And then the third is the uh, result, the end result that he's asking the Lord for. So Paul prays with thanksgiving. Uh, you know, we need to be thankful for other people. Uh, notice that uh, six of these nine verses deal with Paul's thanks, thankfulness for the church in Philippi, his brothers and sisters. Uh, you know, maybe maybe this is something we need to consider. Maybe this should uh, be embedded in our minds when we pray for other people. You know, um, the thing is, we're not always thankful for other people, are we? Sometimes even as I, as I hear other people's prayers, I, I, I hear a hesitation uh, when, it, when it comes to uh, being thankful. You know, we, we don't, even when we are thankful for other people, a lot of times we don't express it. You know, one of the beautiful things about this passage is Paul is saying, this is how I'm praying for you. And I, he, he begins saying, I am thankful for you guys. And then he goes for the next several verses telling them why he's thankful. Uh, Billy Graham said, it is so easy to take people for granted or, or even to complain and become angry because they do not meet our every wish. I once received a letter from a woman who began by telling me how fortunate she was to have a kind, considerate husband, and then she used four pages to list all his faults. You know, he says, how many marriages and other relationships grow cold and eventually are shattered because of the sin of ingratitude? You know, it's, it's Paul's pattern as, as we look at the other epistles that he writes uh, a common thing is for him to start out saying i thank god for you and here's why and that's what he's doing here it's exactly what he's doing you know check it out he he doesn't he doesn't just say i'm thankful and leave it at that you know he gives the reasons why uh and this is a good principle for us when we pray for others thank thank the lord for those people thank the lord for that person and tell him why? You know, identify those things you're, you're thankful for. I think that will help us in our uh, sincerity in, in the way we pray. Uh, you know, let me let me be transparent with you. There was there was a person in in a church, not here. Okay, this was this was elsewhere that I had uh, difficulty with. He. He caused. He, he was always uh, trying to stir up conflict, and uh, you know people like that. I'm sure. 
you know, and I, I, I approached this person. I talked to him many times about it. I uh, brought in another person and, and addressed it. That didn't work either. Uh, you know, the Bible says that it's a mark of wisdom to gather counselors around us. So I, you know, went to an outside party and asked for counsel and it didn't really help except that this person, actually it was his wife, asked me a really pointed question. She said, have you thanked God for that person? Oh, oh, that hurt, you know, because no, I had not. Uh, that was That was a hard one. You know, I had thanked God for the situation. I was able to, you know, look at Thessalonians 5.15 where it says to give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of of, uh, God in Christ Jesus for you to give thanks in all circumstances. So, you know, I can handle that. I I could say, Lord, thank you for putting this person in my life. Thank you for putting me through what I'm going through with this person because I'm learning, I'm growing, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm developing spiritually because of this situation I'm in. But I wasn't thanking him for that person. Uh, but then, you know, I had to reconcile with uh, Ephesians 5.20 where not only does it say be thankful in all circumstances, but it says give thanks always for everything God the Father, uh, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, you know, we're commanded to give thanks in everything, but also for everything, and that includes people. You know, in First Timothy 2.1, Paul talks about that. He says, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, even more specific there. So, okay, point well taken. Uh, that, that was a lesson I needed to learn. I needed to humble myself and thank God for that person. So here's a good starting point as we pray for others. Paul gives us a great example. He says, I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. So, making my prayer with joy. Don't you love that? It's, you know, it's, it's a matter of great rejoicing for Paul to give thanks for, for these people. And why is he thankful? Well, he, he spends the next several verses. He says, first of all, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So the, uh, the believers in Philippi had become Paul's partners in the gospel. This word, this translated, uh, partnership is is the greek word you may have heard it koinonia that's that's one of the greek words that a lot of us hear a lot koinonia and it you know it it, it refers to a close association involving mutual interests uh, association communion fellowship close relationship so it's you know paul is not only saying you know, you're you're my partners but you're giving me this this fellowship this close relationship and he's rejoicing because of that um, but he talks about uh, their participation in the gospel. 
uh, in, in providing financial support to, to help him out. Uh, chapter 4, verse 18 refers to that. He says, I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a, a sacrifice acceptable and, and pleasing to God. So, you know, their, their partnership was, was deepened by this, uh, this self-sacrificial partnership in giving of, of their resources. You know, they, they showed very sincere commitment to the gospel and, and to Paul uh, by this. You know, Jesus talked about this, right, about uh, how, how tightly we hold on to, to things, uh, Jesus said, do not lay up your, for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your hearts are also. So their, their heart was with Paul, <laughs> and their treasure was with, with Paul too. So, you know, they were, they were generous in their partnership with, with Paul. Uh, and, you know, Paul's very grateful. That's something, that's the first thing he says as to why he's thankful that they have partnered with him consistently, you know, from the start until now. So he's also thankful for the evidence that uh, God is working in their lives more and more. God's transforming them. Look at verse 6. He says, uh, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You know, this this is definitely one of those memorizable verses out of Philippians. You know, having having seen evidence of God's work in their lives, uh, he, he's confident that God is not through with them yet. Uh, you know, they're heading in the right direction, and he's thankful that they continue to grow in the Lord. Um, some some of you might take exception to this example because I, I don't know if I'd recommend this movie, but there's there was one movie that uh, Jack Nicholson was in, and in this movie the uh, character that he plays, Jack Nicholson plays this character named Melvin, and he's he's very agitated as he barges into a psychiatrist's office and demands an appointment, and the doctor turns him away because he hadn't. Uh, arranged an appointment, and as Melvin leaves the office in the lobby, there there are these people sitting there, you know, kind of nervous looking and everything. And Jack Nicholson, Melvin, looks at them. And he said, "What if this is as good as it gets?" You know, that's a that's a poignant question. What if, what if is this as good as it gets? Uh, and we might think wrongly about the Christian life. We might think that. Uh, you know where we're at right now is just fine. Uh, I was I was talking with this one guy a couple of years ago. This this guy has a very uh, abrasive personality, and he was telling me that you know maybe in in the church that he was in, he'd actually uh, caused people with his personality to want to leave the church, and he was feeling kind of bad about that. But then he smiled and he said, well, but, you know, that's how God wired me. I can't change. And, uh, you know, that's not what Paul is saying here, is it? He's saying that uh, God has started a work in you. He's going to complete it. We always need to be changing and growing and developing. And that's what Paul is talking about right here. Uh, 
You know, some of us maybe, I'm afraid, feel like we've topped out. You know, maybe we feel like we're experts in the scripture. We've mastered the art of prayer. We know all there is there. We know all there is to know. Uh, you know, we've, we've experienced God as fully as we ever will. Hopefully none of us feel that way, you know. But Paul is saying no. This is, is not as good as it gets. It's going to get better. God's, God's not through with you, with you yet. He has more for you. You know, we will we'll, in this life on earth never reach full maturity as Christians. We always have more, more territory to conquer. We always have more growing to do. We always need to approach the word of God with, with fresh eyes. We always need to realize and acknowledge that uh, we need to ask the Lord to teach us to pray. And, uh, you know, all, all of this applies to us as individual believers, but Paul is actually writing in, in the second person plural here. And so we need to take note that this applies to the church as well. You know, God has started something in this church, what, 20 years ago? And I've heard the stories of the amazing, miraculous things that God has done in this church, bringing growth, bringing people together. And I see the relationships uh, among the, the members of this church, the, the, the love that exists. And we can say the same thing. You know, God has started something in this church, and he's going he's gonna to keep it going. He's not through with us yet. He's going to bring it through to completion. You know, we, we always need to grow and mature as a church. We always need to uh, bring people to the Lord. You know, growth isn't always necessarily uh, numbers, but it's, you know, spiritual maturity. But it is a sign of a healthy church to bring in conversion growth, new, new people coming to the Lord. So... Uh, you know, the, the reality is that uh, when, when we quit growing as a church, uh, you know, once we think we've gotten to the point to where we've, uh, you know, we, we, we've arrived and we plateau, what's the next step? We start declining. Uh, Dr. Uh, Aubrey Malfer is one of my professors at DTS, said that... Um, between 6,000 and 10,000 churches die each year in America. And, and this, this should never be. He says that of the churches who haven't closed, between 80 and 85% of the churches in North America have plateaued or are in decline. You know, I don't know about you, but I find those numbers disturbing. You know, we, we need to keep growing. We need to keep maturing. This is... Uh, this is God's will. You know, it's, it's this koinonia fellowship that should keep the church growing. It's, it's God's work, and he's, he's going to preserve this. Uh, it, it's going to endure. God's work is going to endure. So Paul was thankful. He's encouraged that God's going to keep bringing the church along. He, he loves this church. In verse 7, he demonstrates this. He goes, it's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. 
you know, so he has this special kinship with these, with these people. He's partners with them, you know, uh, along with Paul, they drink deeply from the, the well of, of God's grace. Uh, they're, they're with him in this uh, koinonia, this fellowship, this, this partnership. And the fact that Paul's in prison doesn't diminish this. Uh, you know, they're, they're joined together with Paul in spirit, in the partnership of the gospel. And like Paul, the, the, the gospel's being worked out in them. It's It's evident. So he, he ends this declaration, Paul ends this declaration of thanksgiving, saying, For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul loves this church. Uh, he, he doesn't think of the church in Philippi as just mere business associates or uh, acquaintances. You know, his thanksgiving comes from a deep love in Christ for these people, the kind of love we need for each other. You know, so, not only do we thank God for uh, the people we pray for, we need to share this with them. You know, let people know, just like like uh, Paul is doing. Next, Paul intercedes for the church in in Philippi. He's he's making his requests now made known to God, having having established his uh, his thanksgiving for them, and he's got three requests for God for the Philippians. First, he prays for their, their growth in love. Uh, he, he says, and it's, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more. And so we've already seen that they've demonstrated this love for Paul. Uh, and he prays that it will just grow stronger. This is, this is back to God not being through with, with them yet. They're going to keep growing, he prays. And... Uh, he, he talks next about uh, knowledge, knowledge with knowledge. Their love would abound more and more with, with knowledge. You know, Paul doesn't specify here what, what the content of this knowledge is, but I think it's, uh, it's apparent through the context and in the, uh, the context of unity, the theme of unity that we see in, in uh, this, this epistle that he's talking about knowledge of Christ and his command that believers love one another. You know, the more we know him, the more we love God, the more love we have for each other. It's a, it's a natural outgrowth. It's an overflow of that. You know, the, the, better we, the better we know one another, the better positioned we are to know how to pray for them and how to show our love for them. You know, we need to... We need to be continuous learners of how to love one another. What does it look like for us to love one another? You know, as we, as we do this, our, our love deepens. This is what Paul is talking about. Um, you know, another, another great way for our knowledge to, to grow here is to see what God has to say about it. You know, we need to be students of, of God's word. Uh, you know, in chapter two of this book, uh, Paul gives us a demonstration. He talks about Jesus, how, how Jesus came. He self-sacrificially for the love that he had for us. He he left his estate in heaven and became a, a human. He he humbled himself and 
became a servant, became obedient even to death for us. That's the kind of love he, he had for us. That's the kind of example that, uh, that he gives for us. You know, so we, we need a deeper understanding of these things. We need a deeper understanding of, of the things of God, you know, and this is why Paul is praying for the Philippians like this. He completes this thought with, with this phrase, and all discernment. You know, what, what is discernment? Discernment is the, uh, the capacity to, to understand. You know, it's the ability to uh, distinguish between truth and falsehood. It's, it's uh, how does this tie together? You know, growing in love and knowledge and keeping it real, keeping it true to what God has, has revealed to us. I think a good companion passage to this is in Ephesians 4, 15 through 16, where Paul says, Rather speaking truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So Paul's praying here for the Philippians. He, he thanks God for them. He's, he's specific about what he's thankful for. He makes this request that, they would, uh, that their love would grow and abound with knowledge and discernment. Now he comes to the bottom line. He prays for the end result. Notice those, those first two words. So that... So that, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. So that. Paul's prayer is being given for a specific person, a purpose, excuse me, so that. Essentially, God's going to be glorified. Um, one, of, one of my fellow pastors in the uh, Acts 6-4 network, uh, Dennis Fakwa, wrote a book. And he, he talks about these two words, so that. You know, he, he suggested that every prayer request that we give should contain those two words, so that. You know, in, in other words, we should consider uh, and express a, a, a God-glorifying gospel-advancing scripture, honoring goal of the prayer request. You know, so our, our prayers are, uh, our prayers for other people are not our request to God uh, explaining to him what he needs to do. You know, it's, it's not our, our specifications for him to order the universe according to what we think. You know, our prayers are a means of, of joining with God. Our prayers are uh, a means of being dependent on God, being humble before him. You know, I, th- I, think, th- I think this could revolutionize the way we pray for others if, if we just add that when, when we make a request so that. Well, let's look at Paul's... So that here, 
He says he prays these things so that they may approve what is excellent. You know, we we need to discern what's best. We we Paul's praying that uh, they would uh, be given the ability to distinguish or to distinguish the things that really matter, to be able to draw a distinction between the things that are important and the things that are not. You know, we need God to help us from uh, majoring in the minors, so to speak. You know, we need we need to we need Him to help us not only. Uh, to be protected from error, but also from distraction in, in our Christian life. Paul goes on, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. You know, one day we're going to stand before the Lord and, and give account for how we lived our lives. We need to pray for another one, uh, for one another, that uh, you know we would live our lives free from the, the pollution of sin. Uh, that, that we would live our lives in a in a manner that is is pleasing to our God, uh, you know, set apart for Him. And Paul continues, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. You know, we can we can only live for Him as we depend on Him. You know, and Jesus, remember, used a uh, the example of a, a grapevine. You know, He said, "I'm the I'm the vine, and you are the branches." And He goes on to explain how. You know, we're we're no good unless we're we're connected. You know, unless we're connected to the source, we're not going to bear fruit. If, as branches, we are are severed from the the vine, you know, we can only do it through the power that He gives us. We need to be in relationship with Him in in prayer and in His Word. And then, you know, what's the what's the final outcome of this? And He He wraps it up very nicely. So that, he says at the end, to the glory and praise of God. You remember our, our last uh, bit on the uh, the Sermon on the Mount, or not the Sermon on the Mount, the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, which was in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. You know, our, our purpose as individual believers and our purpose as a church is what? It's to bring glory to God. To glorify God. That's the main thing. That God's glory stands supreme. That's how Paul wraps this up. You know, we need to pray for each other. We need to be thankful. We need to know why we're thankful. We need to go to the Lord on behalf of each other that we would uh, continually grow in love and knowledge and discernment. Why? so that God will be glorified, so that our lives would be pleasing to him. So Paul's quite concerned with the uh, spiritual lives of of the uh, believers in Philippi, and he's quite concerned with the outcome being the the glory of God. Let's pray. Uh, Our Father... Uh, in, in the name of Jesus, uh, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here in this church. Uh, I thank you, Lord, for the uh, continuing work in, in their lives. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that you would just reveal to them the, the full dimension of your love for them. Uh, strengthen them, Lord, as, as they grow in you. Uh, Father, teach us to pray. 
Fill us, Lord, with with your spirit. Let your word dwell in us richly, Lord, so that our lives would be lives of praise, so that you, Lord, in us would be glorified, so that you, Lord, would be glorified in this church. In Jesus' name, amen.